RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather podcast. We are here, a special edition in the Dignitary Studio studio. Dignitary Dignitary Cafe studio, actually. All right, so that's where we are today. You may see the matching uh, yellow wall, but it is actually just coincidental that we both have yellow walls. So want to start off, got a few different things that we're going to talk about today. And those of you who um, have followed us along on TikTok, welcome everybody who is on TikTok following along. And those of you who are catching this on YouTube by video later, Welcome to you as well. You get to see the studio. And those of you listening on the podcast, well, you just get to hear it just as if it always is. It probably sounds a little bit better in here. The studio is a little bit more uh, audio friendly, if you will. We're working on that in the Lawfather studio. But anyway, a lot of different things to talk about today. Okay, kind of slow news week, if you will. So we're going to go over kind of just a a potpourri of, of different cases and just discuss those and a lot of different things, and then we'll have a listener question for you. But let's start with Antonio Brown, and we kind of started the last show with Antonio Brown. But let's look at what happened and what's transpired. Now that we're able to look back and go, hey, the Bucks said, well, the Bucks, uh, as in Coach Arian, said, hey, he's no longer a Buck. So what does that really mean? How do we get there? And what does it mean to be released from an NFL team? Right, Because seemingly, if the head coach is saying, you're no longer part of this team, you've been released. But not the case. Okay, So here's how that breaks down. And look, I, I haven't talked to anybody over there. right? And I'm sure if I did, they wouldn't really give any information up as to why the Buccaneers released Antonio Brown and, and why they, they... Well, we know why. right? We know the why. But the bigger question is, why did they wait so long? And, and I, I would bet you there's a lot of people out there that go... Why did the Buccaneers wait so long to release Antonio Brown? And here's the thing, right? The NFL and the NFL Players Association, and to take a step back, right? And I feel like we end up taking a lot of steps back here on this show. But the reason why I know so much about this is I was previously an NFL agent, okay? I've had this issue before, okay? Not a, not a player running off the field during the game, okay? Okay. But I've had players that have been injured and been released and signed and you name it, I've been there, okay? So when I saw what was going on and, and how the Buccaneers said, hey, we're going to release them, but then they didn't actually release them because, well, all of a sudden Antonio goes, hey, I'm hurt. And you guys knew I was hurt. And I had this ankle injury. And see, I was on the injury report. So, haha, you can't release me, Okay. And for whatever he's got going on, you know, the kind of old saying of crazy like a fox, right? I think that's a saying, right, Jason? There's something, something along those lines. Okay. He was right. They, the Bucks could not release him if he was actually injured, right? It, it, it is against the collective bargaining agreement. Now, you can release an injured player, but it has to be done with an injury settlement. Okay. So a team can't just go, if you're hurt and you're hurt because of football, they can't just go, we're going to release you. They're not allowed to. Okay. They're just not. It's, it's part of their collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. It's just not something that's allowed to do. So in order to release a player who's been injured, 
what you have to do is you have to pay that person a certain number of weeks. And that certain number of weeks most times is tied to the amount of time that injury is going to keep you out and some strong negotiation between your agent and the team. That's how it works. And everybody signs off on it. And the NFLPA wants you to send that all those documents and all those negotiations over to them to review because for the most part, the NFLPA doesn't trust the agents. Okay. At least that was just what I kind of noticed in sitting in the yearly meetings and talking to the NFLPA. All right. Um, but that is, that's the why, right? All of a sudden Antonio Brown says, Hey, I'm hurt. The team goes, Oh, wait, hold on. We can't release you. Team offers to send him to a doctor, right? An outside doctor, not the team doctor. Hey, we'll send you to an outside doctor at our own expense as a team. He declines or at least doesn't ever show up, which would be the same as a decline and really hard to go back and go, well, Hey, you were hurt. Right. And if you listen to a lot of the news or a lot of the broadcasts on it, it was, Hey, the Buccaneers are working with the NFL to determine how they can separate from Antonio Brown and that, and that's the why, right? It is, it all has to do with the inability to release an injured player without an injury settlement. Okay. Now, could there have been some gamesmanship in wanting to hold his rights as long as possible? Sure. And it was something that you know, I've discussed. I think Jason and I may have even discussed this was, what if the Bucks just kept him on the team and suspended him for conduct unbecoming, right? And find him. And now, hey, no other team can sign him in the postseason. Although I think it's one of these things where that incident was so bad and it was looked at so negatively. Very few incidents that ever happen in life do you have such a one-sided response. And I think the Antonio Brown situation was such a one-sided response that it was so bad that no team would ever touch him again. Okay, or at least this year, right? Maybe he'll atone and he'll be back sometime next year. But short version, reason why the Buccaneers didn't release Antonio Brown right away is... They couldn't. They couldn't because of the in potential injury status, and they had to vet that, and they had to evaluate that. Okay? Now, here's my podcast hot take on this, and maybe something that should be looked at. Okay? Because when we're talking about these injury settlements, we're talking about the physical injuries, right? So, in this case, it was an ankle, but it could be a hamstring. It could be... Uh, an Achilles tendon, right? You name it, it could be that. But maybe it's time to start considering that mental health and, and there could be mental health injuries and maybe those should be given the same treatment as the physical injuries, okay? I don't know, just a, just a thought to throw out there on that. So that is the Antonio Brown saga and that is the why the Buccaneers couldn't release him immediately and why it took so long for somebody who everybody in the world knew was going to be released to, to actually be released. All right. So that is the uh, sports side of the show. I want to jump into some legal things. Okay. Some of the legal side of, of things. And I just, you know, what? I, I found a couple of fun stories. Okay. Fun, real cases, real people who actually were compensated. Okay. And, and those of you who have seen me on TV with case or no case, and we do case or no case once again on YouTube, right? Kind of, um, uh, not on YouTube, but on Instagram, on the reels and on TikTok, 
kind of bringing that back in. And those of you who are on TikTok right now, I, I do invite you to ask any questions that you do have. I have it up here and I, I glance over here every once in a while to take a look to see. So uh, I welcome all of you who are here listening. So I appreciate every single one of you. But with Valentine's Day kind of around the corner, we're, uh, what is it? It's the 17th. So we're a little less than a month away. Thought maybe this would be a good one to start with. Okay. It's really, look, fun, interesting. We, we cover a lot of heavy topics here, right? A lot of times it's really bad things that happen in life. And uh, the listener question kind of falls back on that. But eh, let's let's have a little fun with it. So imagine this. You go to your, your local underwear store, Victoria's Secret, okay? And you're trying on some underwear that has... Uh, Little uh, little things on it. They what do they sell those things on gems? They they sell these like little gems and things on it. And, and you go and you're like I'm gonna try this on. Mm-hmm. Valentine's Day is coming up, right? Here I come. And you go try it on, and the thread that's holding that gem on just can't take the pressure of being tried on. And that gem goes flying, goes in your eye, scratches your cornea, and there you go. Right? You're hurt. So what do you do? Well, naturally, better sue Victoria's Secret because, man, that that little gem, you should have known that that little piece of thread that you put on, that little gem, was going to hold. Okay? Um, and, and look, there, there's there's nothing in, in what I've found on this story as to... Uh, you know, kind of any of the specifics of the individual or of the garment that was being tried on other than that it was underwear and that it had a gem. But anyway, um, this person was, was successful in, in getting damages and getting compensated in California as a result. Right. And, and what that would be is that would be a product's liability case, right? The product being the underwear and uh, the product failed. And when you have a product's liability case, you follow it all the way up the chain. So you go from, and in this case, most likely it's one and the same, although if they have a good business lawyer, there's some separation amongst the companies, right? But basic bottom line, you have the retailer and that's the person who sells it to you. So you can sue the person who sells it to you. And then the person who supplies it to the person who sells it to you, because normally you have a wholesaler and then you have the manufacturer, right? Now, Victoria's Secret being that they only sell Victoria's Secret branded things, right? It may be the same company all the way up the chain. Or if you look down the chain, you have the main company, you have the manufacturer, you have the wholesaler, and then you have the retailer. And the retailer is the place that you go in the mall to go buy it. Okay. So that is number one. That is our Valentine's Day personal injury story. Okay. Which Jason gives me an idea. Maybe as we get, uh, you know, maybe the week of Valentine's Day, maybe we find some really interesting Valentine's Day personal injury stories. I bet there are some really interesting ones out there. Uh, Those of you who are listening and you know of any and have any ideas and want me to actually do a legal breakdown on an interesting Valentine's personal injury, we will absolutely do that. Okay. Let's look at a couple more. All right. This next one really, really in line with what, what we do. Okay, what the law father does, which is, you know, a lot of personal injury. And sometimes we deal with municipalities. Sometimes we deal with the city of Tampa. 
Uh, sometimes you deal with Hillsborough County. Uh, you name it. Uh, I think Pinellas County, uh, Department of Transportation. Uh, don't think I've ever done a case against uh, Florida Highway Patrol, but most of the municipalities in and around this area I've dealt with at one time or another. And those of you who have been downtown, I noticed that actually the interesting thing, I noticed that this weekend I was walking to Amelie or Amali, I believe the actual the correct pronunciation is, but I was going to a lightning game, walking on the sidewalk, city owned sidewalk, and there were some palm trees. And then there were some places where there were palm trees at one time that there are no palm trees anymore. And there are these big metal grates that have holes and the grates are like off kilter and, and man, you could really trip on it and hurt yourself. No signs. Some of them had cones. Some of them didn't. Some of them, the cones are on the other side and on, not on the side that everybody was walking to get to the game. Anyway, pretty dangerous condition, right? And so got me thinking, okay, well, you know what? This is kind of prime for personal injury case. Well, here we go. As, as I'm looking at some interesting ones, here is an interesting one. Kind of same, same story here. Person's walking down the sidewalk, okay? Don't think they were going to a lightning game because, well, the city of Tampa actually has money, uh, unlike this city. And uh, this happened in, I believe it was Michigan. Walking down the street, some small town with about 900 people in it, and steps in the pothole. Hey, no one ever said in any of this that the city wasn't at fault. Right? City actually even offered to pay. Guess what, though? The city had no money. City was out of money, and the city didn't have insurance. Okay? So there you go. Hey, it was our fault. Uh, we can't pay you because, well, um, our mayor was facing charges of insurance fraud, statutory rape, and perjury. And that was why they had no insurance. All right? So. There you go. Um, Just as an aside, as we look at kind of some of the legal aspect here, the municipalities in the state of Florida don't have, quote unquote, insurance. They are what's called self-insured, and they're allowed to be by state statute. And what that really means is the city holds money, the city, the county, the municipality holds money aside that they could pay as if they were an insurance company, okay? Okay. as a practical note, anytime you hear self-insured, especially if it's a private entity, run, run, run as fast and as far as you can, because you're usually not going to have a great result, or you're going to have to go to trial to get somebody to rip that money from their cold, dead hands. Um, Most people don't like parting with their own money, but people have no problem parting with insurance money. And I have no problem taking money from, well, either side of that. Okay. Uh, Let's do one more. Let's do one more. And, and this, is, this is really like a, a typical textbook law school question, right? And I remember in law school, and it's, we're going on, what, nine years now, I think, that, that I passed the bar. And so this would have been more like 10 or 11 years ago because it would have been first year towards class. And you're in there and, and the question is something along the lines of, you have a shed and you want to protect everything in your shed. So you set up a gun and it's got, you know, a booby trap so that if somebody opens up that door, trigger gets pulled, bad guy gets shot and he's dead. Right. Can you do that? And from a general standpoint, well, no, you can't. Okay. And the reason is, is you really can't use deadly force to protect property. Okay. Um, 
we could talk about carjackings and, and that would be an entirely different thing because you are essentially protecting property in those, but you're actually kind of protecting yourself as well. So different ball game. But if we keep it really simple, really textbook, you're in the shed, there's just property in there. There's no people in there. You can't just, <laughs> you just can't do it. Okay. It's just not allowed. It's just not something that the law is going to say, Hey, yeah, we're going to let you, Oh, I don't know, booby trap your shed. So if someone opens the door to try to, to try to steal stuff from it that well, they can kill you. Okay. Just it goes against public policy. And if you follow why a lot of the things are in the law, a lot of them are to really protect public policy. Okay. So along those lines, guy breaks into a house and uh, he, well, plans on stealing a bunch of stuff, right? Cause why else would you break into a house other than to, I don't know, steal stuff. Right. So he goes in He's doing his thing. People aren't home. Oh, yeah, this is great. I'm going to, yep, I'm going to steal all their stuff, and I'm going to be rich. Except for he went in the garage, and the garage door locked behind him. And the automatic garage door was broken. <laughs> so here he is, stuck in this garage, can't get out, can't get out the, the main garage door, can't get in back into the house because now that locked behind him. He's trapped. Well, he broke into an empty house, right? Or not empty as far as there being things in it. Empty in terms of there's no people. Well, these people were on vacation. Imagine that, right? Somebody leaves your house, goes on vacation. And this guy goes in. He spent eight days in their garage. No food, no water. These people come home, find this guy in their garage who broke into their house and planned on stealing from them. Right? That's the biggest thing. Ready for me to blow your mind on this? And I bet you can guess what's coming. Jason's here thinking, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. This went to court. And the court found in favor of the bad guy and paid him $500,000 for being trapped in the garage. Okay? Not anything like our textbook example because the people didn't necessarily mean for somebody to break into their house and then once inside their house, go into their garage. And oh, by the way, the garage door happened to be broken, but, and the door happened to lock behind them. House wasn't booby trapped, at least from anything that I can tell, right? So there you go. Watch it when you're on vacation. Make sure that garage door is working so that if somebody breaks into your house, they can open your door and rob you blind. Okay, um, I'd imagine the insurance company paid out on that, but uh, you know, really, really kind of interesting there uh, from that perspective. So let's uh, let's jump into a listener question. And as I was trying to pick through which listener question for the day, uh, it, it really parlays into a topic that I saw recently. And really, the only reason why I didn't make the entire show a topic on this, and we're just going to look at this one listener question, is there is some some talk. I don't know if it's beyond rhetoric at this point that, that some of the legislatures in the state of Florida, legislators in the state of Florida want to amend the wrongful death act. Okay. Because you can actually create a scenario. And I know that the one of them that I saw that had a quote, um, was, was talking specifically about medical malpractice, but you can actually create a scenario where even though somebody does something wrong, they can't be held liable. For it, right? So a doctor in, in this scenario, at least a doctor can do something wrong. Somebody dies 
and that doctor has no responsibility, no matter how wrong and how wrong and how negligent they were. Okay. But the question was this, who can recover from a wrongful death claim in Florida? All right. So from a hyper-technical standpoint, the answer is the personal representative. And the personal representative is somebody who is appointed by the court who will essentially administer the estate, who will be the living, breathing person that will be the face of whatever lawsuit and whatever claim is going on. Okay. So once we get past that and into the next level, right, because there's only one, there's only one personal representative, but more than one person can recover damages for it. So the people who can are spouses, children, parents, blood relatives, adoptive siblings, adult children, if there is no spouse, and the parents of minors, okay? But the adult children piece does have an age cutoff, and and that's where some of the problems arise. Now, what can be recovered in terms of damages? Well, and damages, don't forget, that is what you're compensated for, right? What money is attributed to what different piece? And the few things are funeral expenses, medical bills, right? So generally speaking, when someone dies, there's medical bills. Even, even if they just go from the scene of where something happens to the ambulance, to the hospital, there are going to be medical bills. Any lost wages, right? So out into the future, this person would have worked you know, if they were 45 when they died, they would have worked to age 60. So 15 more years, they would be entitled, the family would be entitled to lost wages, mental pain and anguish, okay? Um, which is anybody under 25 years old can, can, uh, can seek damages for mental pain and anguish and the value of lost support and services. So think about having a spouse and that spouse is no longer there. Think about that support and and the way that plays out. So that is kind of a, a really short version of the Wrongful Death Act and who can recover and what you can recover for. So that said, all right, check out all of the Law Father's social media. All right, TikTok. Facebook, Instagram, uh, check us out on YouTube as well. A lot of good stuff on there. Try to try to throw some educational stuff on there. Check out the Facebook group that we have, uh, really kind of some interesting things in terms of insurance and, and other pieces to the puzzle there. And a big thank you to radio influence as always for, uh, doing great work and uh, great job producing the show. Hit me up anytime on any of the socials DM or hit me up at the office. The show for today, Father out. <laughs>